0: From Luminary, this is Karamo, a podcast. Hey friends, welcome to Karamo. I'm your host, Karamo. Right now, we are living in a very difficult time in our world. Not only are we dealing with a global pandemic, but also Black lives are being brutally murdered in the streets. Worldwide, we are seeing protests from people of all races standing in solidarity with Black people around the world, saying enough is enough. As much as this is a time to fight against the injustices in the world, this is also a critical time to pay very close attention to our mental health. It's so necessary for people to see the brutality that is happening so that it can galvanize us into seeing a better world and or creating change. But it's also extremely unhealthy to see that much brutality, that much brutality on your social media. While you're protesting can truly affect your emotional and mental state. So today I want to talk about our mental and emotional state and all the things we're seeing and how we can make sure that we're taking care of ourselves so that we can truly get back out there and truly do the work to create change and to help others. If you don't take care of yourself first, then you can't really do the work to help others. So I've invited someone on my show today that has become a leading voice on social media discussing mental and emotional health through heartfelt and inspiring cooking videos. Yes, I said cooking videos, but trust me, when you hear this woman, you'll understand why her videos not only resonate with people who love to cook or prepare meals, but also those who are looking for inspiration to be better. It's none other than Tabitha Brown. So without further ado, friends,
1: let's start talking and growing.
0: Friends, if you don't know who Tabitha Brown is, don't worry, because you will. Tabitha is an accomplished actress, but she is most famously known as a video blogger sharing recipes and reviewing vegan meals. Her voice will inspire you to slow down, self-reflect, and show love to yourself. Everyone, give it up for my friend, Tabitha Brown. Hey, Tabitha.
3: Hello there. (laughs) What an introduction.
0: <laughs> well, it's the truth. You are someone who is just so great. I met Tabitha maybe a year ago or so when I was having this sort of table read.
3: Yeah, two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. My hair was real short. Then I had just kind of started this journey.
0: Tabitha came in just bright energy reading the script. Um was so gracious enough to do it to like read the script with us and you know, as we were going on this journey to get it sold. And then we lost contact. And I'm gonna be very real. I remember Tabitha, but I didn't fully remember. It was like, I had to get my memory jogged, (laughs) but I was following her. So I was following her as a fan (laughs) and was like, oh my gosh, I just love this. She got me eating vegan cheese. She got me doing all these things. (laughs) And then all of a sudden my fiance, Ian, who also follows you was like, you do know that's Tabitha from the table read. And I was like, you better stop lying.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I was just starting to come into myself when I did the table read. I was coming into my new freedom. So I always tell people, if you met me early on, you may not have remembered me as I am now because now I'm completely free. And so um, you'll never forget me now.
0: (laughs) You said you were walking into your freedom. What does that mean?
3: For many years, I was not free. You know, I I wore my hair long and straight one way because that's what I was told. You know, Hollywood wants this look for your skin tone. I covered my accent. I always tried to fit in, and I was not me. And that's not freedom. After going through a a period of sickness and probably the lowest moment of my life, when I came out of that, I had made a promise to God that if he healed me and brought me through that, he could have me. And I would do whatever he asked of me. And part of doing that means being who he made me to be and knowing that she was enough. And so I walked into my freedom by Releasing the old tab who was trying to always fit in to realizing that I was enough and I was worthy of this life, um, just as I am. And so that's what freedom is. And now it's me living my authentic true self. Uh, I'm completely free.
0: Tabitha, can I tell you how that resonates with me? Because I had a very similar experience in my life. I literally had the word freedom tattooed on my neck, which my mother didn't like.
3: Oh my God. When um, I was young. Yes.
0: But I literally went through the same thing where. I had gotten sick and I was like, why isn't life happening for me the way that I know it should be? And I had to let go, as you just said, of all the things people told me of how I'm supposed to act, how I'm supposed to dress, what I'm supposed to do to walk in this world. And especially in Hollywood, when it comes to black folks, we get this sort of manual of, if you want to be successful in this town, you got to do this, be this, say this, go here, go there. And I was in that same trap too. And literally one day I said, Not today, Satan. I'm no more.
3: Honey, come on. Yeah. (laughs) I just said I can't, I'm
0: not doing it anymore. But the freedom combined with that hard work is what created me to have the success. And so to hear you say that, I hope anybody listening to this who's grappling with that issue of like, well, I'm doing, I'm not being me, can hear your words and say, no, enough is enough. Enough is enough, honey. You are
3: enough. Uh, uh, enough. Enough is enough because you are enough. Right,
0: come on, can we put that on a t shirt right now?
3: <laughs> See, I think sometimes when people say enough is enough, they don't realize that they are the enough. You are enough, enough of the foolishness because you are enough. Everything that we have inside of us is everything we need to be successful. We have all the tools that we need to be successful in this world. And I used to tell people. Freedom is free if we just use the key, but a lot of us don't like to use the key because we're afraid of it, but we all have the key, but it takes a while for us to to grab hold of it and then unlock ourselves and get to our freedom
0: well really what it is is as you said like you have that key and you're afraid of it because you don't know what's on the other side of that door because you've only been on this side and you've been told constantly that this side is the right side absolutely this side is what you're supposed to do this is who you're supposed to be and you don't realize that on the other side of that door is everything you ever wanted that when you give up living for this side when you give up being afraid of the keys that you were given Mm -hmm. by God that you've already had in you. When you give that up, you walk on that other side and you're like, what was I afraid of again? Right. What what was was going on? Why why didn't I just want to be me? Why why wasn't I just accepting what I had in me? And what I love about your story is that that freedom, as you're putting it now, which I think is so beautiful, the world saw it. And it went viral. It, it literally, the world woke up and was like, "Oh, we recognize this freedom." <laughs> because uh, tell the journey, you it was like one week you had a certain number of followers on social media, and then all of a sudden you had one point something.
3: Yeah, it's crazy. I, uh, you know, I had I've been doing uh, Facebook and Instagram. You know, I started doing videos about two and a half years ago, 2017, um, in August. You know, I decided when I went vegan. And I only started doing these videos, of course, because I had a dream. I never, ever thought I'd do videos. Oh, Lord, I never, ever thought I would do videos. Never thought I'd do anything with food. The story that I was telling you when I went through a sickness and I uh, told God he, he could have me. If he healed me, I would do whatever he asked. I had a dream and saw myself on a show while I was sick. And I thought, well, Lord, I ain't, I'm not really auditioning right now. Um, I'm not doing stand-up or any of the things that would help me get a TV show. And when I woke up, because I've all my dreams have always meant something to me, I said, No, God, now I know I didn't see myself on the show. What what is that? Reveal that to me. And I heard a voice that said, start doing videos. And honey, I was offended. I was like, videos, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, I don't oh, I don't do videos, Jesus. Uh-uh. I don't do that, right? I don't know who I thought I was, child, but I was like, oh no. and the other part of that was, you know, there was a time where they said, there was this thing of if you did videos, they didn't take you serious in Hollywood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I and I was thinking, well, you know, I don't want to do that. But then I remember, you know, God reminded me, he said, you remember, you said you would do whatever I asked. And so I said, oh, Lord, he, you know, he caught me on a bad day that day when I was just giving my whole life to you. <laughs> and so I said, OK, I'll start doing these videos. So for the last, you know, two Uh, In a half years, I did these videos on Facebook and on Instagram uh, in the last like more or so year and a half. I kind of tried to start building my Instagram to match my Facebook. And I had a good maybe half a million followers on um, Facebook back in March. And on Instagram, I think I had maybe 200,000. And then my daughter came to me and said, Mom, you should get on TikTok. And I was like, girl, why in the world would I get on TikTok? That's for kids. okay? I don't need to be on there with them little kids. She was like, no, I'm telling you. It'd be a great, like another platform where younger generation and you could be like the TikTok mom. And, you know, she really was selling me on it. And I thought, I don't know, you know, I'm doing all right with, you know, Facebook and Instagram. and I had just started kind of doing a little bit more on YouTube. And, you know, I was, they had been touring the country for the last two years, telling my story and hosting events and started back getting into my acting. But I was like, okay. And then one of my, the reps from Whole Foods that I, cause I, you know, I'm the brand ambassador for Whole Foods reached out to me and said, you ever thought about doing TikTok? And I thought, "No, wait a minute, I done made money with Whole Foods, child. Y'all think I should get on TikTok too? And she was like, I just think you got something to offer. And so I decided, okay, let me see, you know, what this TikTok is all about. And I really just wanted to do the renegade dance everybody was doing at that time. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. And so my uh, my brother, Nick, who is who is your friend as well, the first video that we did was my daughter trying to show us how to work TikTok and how to even do it. And that video ended up going viral. And I was like, Oh Lord, we look like two old folk trying to figure out TikTok. I said, okay, let me just figure this out. And I started, I think I did my first recipe on March 9th, which is, you know, almost three months ago now on TikTok. And it, Went crazy like in that first week, it, you know. I think I got a hundred thousand followers, and then in the first month on TikTok, I had a million followers. A week later, I had two million followers, and then now at three months, I have three point three million followers on TikTok, and then it caused my Instagram to go from two hundred thousand to now one point eight million. Facebook is over a million. It just literally in the last three months, it just changed almost overnight, but it was only me being myself, being my true authentic self.
0: Let me tell you something. I had that same aversion to videos as well, because mm. we come from a different, I come from a different time where Hollywood would tell you, you don't do that. You know what yep. I mean? The young mm-hmm. people can do that, but that's not going to give you a real career. And then also, if you don't know the technology, it can be scary yes. and for you to embrace it. And be your authentic self on it and do something that was challenging for you. Yeah. Look how it paid off. And I that lesson in that of like the thing that you're most afraid of or that you think you don't you shouldn't be doing could be the thing that is supposed to propel you yes. to your greatest destiny. Oh honey, you preaching.
3: Absolutely. Because when I first started doing videos, I didn't know what to do videos about, right? I was doing, I was doing material that I would do on stage as a stand-up. I would get online and I would be a sit-down comedian because I'd be at home sitting on my bed or something. And I would tell the same stories that I would tell on stage about being a wife and being a mother. And during that time is when my daughter came home from school and said, Mom, we just saw this documentary at school. I think you should watch it. And it was What the Hell. And I decided after watching it to do a 30-day vegan challenge. And then in the 30 days, all my ailments that I was having for the last year and a half started to disappear. I started feeling better every day. And so I decided, oh, my God, you know, uh, I know we were doing a 30 day challenge, but I think this is my life. I'm I'm going to go vegan. The moment I said that out of my mouth, the same voice that I heard in prayer that said start doing videos, whispered in my ear and said, now tell people what you're eating. And, honey, I was scared to death. I said, wait a minute, because also during this process, I had shaved off all my hair. I did the big chop. Uh, Now I ain't eating meat. It ain't a challenge. Now I'm saying I'm going to do it as a lifestyle. You want me to get on Facebook? I'm from North Carolina. You know, you from Texas, right? Uh-huh. So you, uh, from the South, I'm going to get on here. I'm going to all my hair. and ain't eat me. You you know my family going to think. <laughs> we knew it was coming, honey. She'd have finally lost her mind out there in Hollywood, right? And I was so afraid. I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, uh, what are they going to think? But I said, you know what? I got to be obedient. God is telling me to do this because he kept telling me. He said, listen, when you were doing stand-up trying to get a show, you would reach 15 or 30 people a night. You start doing videos, you'll reach thousands in minutes. And I thought, well, Lord, I don't even have thousands of followers to reach in minutes. But I trust you, God. But I trust you. So I'm going to be obedient. And I did these videos every day um, from August to December 30th of 2017. And December 30th of 2017, because I started back feeling better, like completely like myself by that October. And I told my husband, I'm feeling good. Now, I was on disability for over a year. That's how sick I was. Wow. Um uh, and, and after feeling better, I told my husband, I said, you know what? I'm feeling better now. I want to, I want to be able to go out and, and audition and kind of get back out there. I'm ready to, you know, try to pursue this thing again. And I don't want to get a nine to five and get stuck. So I'm gonna go drive Uber. I told him, I was like, I'm probably gonna get discovered in my car, pick up a producer or a director or something. They're going to love me and the rest on to here. And so honey, that's how I be thinking. I'm I'm such a big dreamer. Okay.
0: Yes. Well, you have to be.
3: You have to be, and you got to be a little bit crazy if you're actor. You just got to be, okay? And so December 30th of 2017, I dropped somebody off while I driving Uber that morning at a Whole Foods. And went in Whole Foods and was like, oh, I'm going to get me some breakfast because Whole Foods always got a vegan option. And had a sandwich that was vegan. And I was like, oh, I need to tell people about my video, you know, about the sandwich on video because I had to do videos, either cooking in my kitchen or telling people when I found a new vegan option. And so I sat in my car and I did a video to tell people I found us a new vegan option,
0: the sandwich at Whole Foods called a TTLA. I remember that video. I remember that video.
3: And that video went crazy viral, and that's what changed my life,
2: that video.
0: It was the authenticity in that video of you just talking because a vegan lifestyle is a very hard lifestyle but what you've said about how it changed your health my skin gets irritated very quickly and I, I was starting to have some respiratory issues mm-hmm. and I was starting to think to myself what could be going on here I'm not is it just because I'm getting older mm-hmm. so I haven't eaten? cheese or dairy products in so long look at you these like yeah and so now my you know my um impossible meat burgers you know that is not yeah. real meat that i'm eating now in the house we just have one um has my vegan cheese on it and then now i have oat milk and because i the milk yes. can't do it anymore and these are things all of a sudden in a matter of maybe six months. Yeah. All the itchiness, all the feeling I was feeling in my respiratory is gone. Yes. And I haven't made the full jump to being a vegan because I still like some fish and I still like some chicken every once in a while.
3: And that's your business. That's your business. That's my
0: business. (laughs) But what I love about what you do is you introduce people to new concepts that say, it's okay wherever you are on your journey of being healthier and living healthier. I'm not here to judge you. That's right. But these are some things that, You should try. And as someone who listened to you, I can fully attest, I saw a change in my body because of those. Absolutely. I think it's such a beautiful thing because, especially in the African-American community, you don't hear someone saying, go against the grain and eat these things. Yes, there's obviously people, but you're one of the founders of this movement, in my eyes, of the African-American community of saying, oh, I don't have to eat every meat product and I don't have to drink all and do all the things that I was told growing up in the South, that this is what I'm supposed to do. I can actually do different options.
3: Right. And I love that. I'm that person because, you know, years ago I would hear vegan and I would never see anybody who looked like me. And so I, for a long time, just assumed that's something white people did or maybe Asian people, but not black people. Right. I even though, you know, when I was in high school, I was a vegetarian from 15 to 20. Oh, wow. And then that was because of health reasons. I, I used to have the worst menstrual cycle. And I my mom took me to so many different specialists. And one specialist said, if you stop eating red meat, it will help you dramatically. And I had been in so much pain for so many years. I was like, I'm going to stop eating all meat Okay. <laughs> yeah, to, see, <laughs> to see if it would help me, right? And I did for five years. But then my husband and I moved in together. He would make fish and chicken look so good. I was like, well, you know, the doctor never said anything about that fish and chicken. (laughs) And so then I started back eating fish and chicken for, the you know, 20 plus years. But now being a a person in the the community that speaks to the Black community and they get to see me and say, oh, wait, it's actually great for us. And it's also uh, most of our original diet. You know, a lot of the things that uh, we eat as Black people uh, by uh, generational, you know, passing it, recipes down by generation by generation it comes from a slave diet. And we don't like to talk about that. Yes. But our original diet did not uh, consume pork. Our original diet wasn't, you know, not even beef really for that matter. And a lot of us ate plant-based back in the day. Like my dad would always say, it was like, you know, he, my dad's been vegan now for two years. You know, he's 68. He's the oldest male to ever live in our family. And they died really young in my dad's family. It's, it's, it's one of the other reasons why I'm so thankful that he you know, decided to be on this journey as well. But he said to me, he said, you know, after really thinking about it, he said, as a kid, we only ate meat on the weekend, Monday through Friday it was like or Monday through Thursday. He was like, we only ate cornbread, rice, beans and fresh cucumbers and tomatoes out the garden. Meat was a luxury. It wasn't something you ate every day. He was like, I don't know when the world changed or where it became something you had to have every day. And I'm thankful that he, you know, on this journey, it made him his mind go back to those days. Yeah. So I'm glad to be that face for people to see um that yes, we are included, uh, and we can actually have it too. So
0: Amen. I'm I'm happy to be that person. <laughs> So I want to switch gears just a little bit because, you know, it would be remiss without talking about exactly what's going on. And this is one of the things I told you that I want to discuss. You know, we are in a time period right now where black lives matter. Yes. And we see not only during this pandemic, people are saying we're going to protest not only nationally, but globally to save black lives. Yes. And it is such an important moment in our history as a black man who's raising two black sons. This is such an important moment because it's things that my father, his father, my mother, her mother, we have been protesting and fighting for forever. Yes. But what I do know to be true and why I love talking to you because your videos, even though you're about vegan cooking and vegan living, you also are providing people with this mental health support That just comes out organically and comes out so refreshing that it's so important that I think during a time when people are constantly being traumatized by things that they're seeing on social media, in the media, it's so important for you to also focus on your mental and emotional state. Absolutely. How do you feel about the fact that people are not during this time focusing on their emotional state?
3: It's a scary feeling. Because I know myself, I suffered from depression and major anxiety for a very long time, and I know how dark that hole is. Um, I also know how hard it is to come out of it. And so I think it's so important that we have these conversations, because if you lose yourself in the process of all of this, if you're protesting and you're trying to fight for something, but you Lose yourself in the process, you're no good to anyone. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but most importantly, you're no good to yourself. Yes. And it's so important that we remind each other of that, that we have to make sure we take care of us first, and so we can be the best version of us, so we can show up full. Because people are using energy they've never used before. We are having to pull somewhere from a different place in our soul than we have never used before. And it takes a lot out of us. We have to recharge. And if not, we're gonna have a whole different pandemic.
2: Mm.
3: We're gonna have a whole different situation that we're gonna to have to fight. Because unstable minds, honey, it's a scary playing field. Yes. If your mind is not stable, you can't make good decisions. If your mind is not stable, honey, you can't be the best mother, father, sister, brother, human if your mind is not stable and healthy. So we have to remind ourselves that we are important first so that we can go out and make a difference in the
0: world. That is the truth. And you know, one of the things we talked about before is that I had never seen someone die. Like I've been blessed to never have to be in an altercation where someone had passed away in front of me. And the first time I saw was on social media seeing another black man die. And I think about there is a generation of children it's eerily similar to maybe our parents or grandparents who were kids and would walk by and see someone being lynched and their body hanging from a tree in the United States. They're now seeing that same thing on their social media feeds. And I think what a traumatic experience for not only kids, but for all of us to see someone pass away. How do you navigate having those conversations about your kids seeing such horrific things so that they can understand what's happening, use that as fuel to fight, but also take care of their emotional and mental state.
3: However cliche it may be, but the statement that the truth will set you free is such a real statement when it comes to the unfortunate, you know, seeing death on social media. I don't think it has to be seen over and over and over. But I think seeing it one time and knowing the truth behind it. Is enough to set you free in certain movements, right? So my son is eight and he's not old enough to see something like that, right? However, there are children who have seen worse. Uh, like we saw with, uh, what's his name? Philando Castillo, the little girl was in the car.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, you know, and I can't imagine as a little girl what will happen as she continues to grow up because a lot of times we don't even know the, PTSD that we are going to have, right? Uh, So I think it's important as parents, which again, which is why it's so important for us to make sure our mental health is intact so that we can talk to our children, explain to them what is happening uh, the right way, but not lie to them so that they don't get shocked Mm. when they do see things happen or when they hear about it. Because the shock is is not being prepared. Mm. The shock is what throws us into a different mental state because we had no idea this thing was happening, which is where a lot of people are right now because some people, it may have been their first time seeing this, right? People that don't look like you and I, they're in shock with what's happening with the protest. They're in shock with why the world is happening like this because they never took time to learn, educate or pay attention when it was maybe being trying to trying to be brought up in a peaceful way. And now things are in a crazy mode, okay? But that's out of not being prepared. That's out of not seeking truth and understanding and trying to relay messages from as young as our children, because it starts with our kids. Yeah, And for me, it's important to just have those uncomfortable conversations that we have to have anyway. We're the only real race of people We have to have these conversations with our children about how to stay alive if they're being pulled over by police officers. And for me, growing up in the South, it wasn't even just the police officers. It was certain neighborhoods that you knew you you couldn't go to because of the clans that live in certain places or, you know, certain, you know, racist neighborhoods. It was just kind of a known thing. But now we live in a world where people hide it. Yeah. And so you don't really know who you're dealing with until things like this happen. And then true colors start to be shown. But I think having the conversations, we can protect them, but some things, unfortunately, they're going to have to learn about at an age where we just don't feel comfortable with them learning, but it's nothing we can do because we have to have them prepared.
0: I agree with you. It's one of those things that I do with my son of saying, both of my sons of like, "You, you have to see this and you have to understand this. So as like you said, you're not shocked. Right. And then, but I also then as you do, Encourage them to say, you know what, you're but you can't keep watching this over and over again. Yeah. You know, even in this during this time, I've taken my son's phone away um, and my son is now my oldest is 23 and try taking a phone away from a 23 year old young man who's paying who's paying his own bill now. Like I'm not even paying the bill no more. So he's like, I'm paying this bill. And I'm like, I don't care as your father. I can't have you looking at social media over and over and over again because you're, you've are you gotten the education. Yeah, We're talking about solutions, but now you're just re-traumatizing yourself. Yeah. And that re-traumatization, like you said, we don't even know for years the PTSD that you'll experience from this. And that is such a clear reason of why you have to focus on your emotional mental state because you'll wake up one day and you'll be uh, angry and upset and you know, cussing at somebody you love and, you know, doing something that you're like, why is it, why am I doing this? And you don't realize you were triggered by one thing and now it's coming out. Absolutely. It's coming out in this negative way, which is so heartfelt. Yeah. You know, one of the other things during this moment that has gotten me, and I'm going to be real with you, you know, I've gotten a lot of messages from people who majority are white, 98% of them mm-hmm. who are always like, um, how do you feel? And to be honest with you, it's the most annoying thing for me because I've been telling people for years that as a black man, I've been getting stopped. I mean, I've actually been on camera twice when I was on The Real World. I got thrown out of a club by cops for being black, who I was accused of having a gun. And on Queer Eye, they stopped me and did a little thing where they were like, ah, ha, ha, and they triggered. you could see the fear in my face. Mm -hmm. So I've been telling people this is a problem. This is what's going on. And now people are starting to wake up to it, as you know but it's also in a space where i'm like i don't have the time to explain to you what I, what is unfair and why i've been dealing with this how do you feel when people outside of your race and you can feel opposite to me are constantly hitting you up during this time saying how do you feel tell me what's going on
3: i look at it as a time to as a time and a moment to educate them on why it's not okay to ask uh, certain things right because a, a lot of people ask questions out of complete ignorance. They just don't know any better, right? They haven't, no one taught them the right way. And so sometimes I like to be the voice that tells people with love uh, why something is necessary and why it is not. Uh, I've had people reach out to me with the dumbest questions. Honey, and, it, that, and I use that word very, very, I don't say that often, but honey, really, some of the dumbest questions. And I'm like, You should know better. Right. I've been getting questions from all angles and from all different people. But I also know this. If we get upset every time that they ask us, but we don't take the moment to sometimes just give them a little bit of information, some people will just give up and they won't seek it any further.
1: That is true.
2: off your first order at Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
3: I hold it as a responsibility when I'm asked from different people, all walks of life, all different nationalities. I take it as a responsibility and a moment to educate on why we are in the shape of the world we are in right now. And uh, I know kind of when it's coming from a good place. And I know when it's just plain old, you know, ignorance and you don't really care.
0: There's truth in what you're saying about that educational piece. And I I would be a a, a liar if I said that, you know, even though it annoys me, Mm -hmm. if I don't still try to take the opportunity to give them some education of what's happening, because that's the only way, uh, you know, and this is not for everyone. You have to decide whether you're in a mental and emotional space to take on that responsibility Absolutely. and give them a little information. And
3: I know a lot of people are not a lot of people. I, I know I'm a very different breed, as I call myself. I'm, <laughs> you know, when, when God put me, I, I feel like I was born again into a whole new body and a whole new mind. So I know I'm purposeful moments. OK, and mm. I know a lot of people are not like me. A couple of friends that I've had that have reached out. I said to them, answer this. Have you ever been in a classroom where you were the only white person and it was all black students and you were the only one? Have you ever worked in an office where you were the only white person in an office full of black people? Have you ever been in a restaurant and you were the only white person in a restaurant full of black people? And most of them cannot answer yes. They can't. And I said, that is us every day. Every single day. And we've had to learn how to, A, make y'all comfortable, but B, feel comfortable ourselves and not be afraid. And both are wrong. We shouldn't have to make anyone feel comfortable. And we shouldn't have to be afraid. If you can understand that, then you know that there's a problem. You have to, you know, kind of meet people where they are and give them these little pieces for them to really sit with. I remember, you know, uh, my first job was, was Taco Bell. You know, I, I had a drink thrown in my face. I worked in the drive-thru. And I was very much so uh, using my my uh, drive-thru voice. I would make up voices, too, because I was working on my <laughs> afterhoney. But, you know, I sounded like a little country white girl, apparently, because I remember it like yesterday. They were in a red Camaro. And they pulled up and they were talking. So they weren't paying attention. You know, they're talking and they hold their hand out to get their drinks. And I hand them the drink. And when she turns around and she realizes it's me giving it to her, she goes ballistic. And she throws the drink back in my face. And she, you know, calls me the N word. And how dare you touch my drink? When people are asking these questions, they don't experience that. I was at work. And I was also working with white people who were quiet, I had to sit with that and adjust and get over it. But I'm 41, and I still remember it like yesterday. I don't hold it against anybody, but I haven't forgotten it. And I know the problems still exist. And we have to let people know what our experiences have been. And that does not discount anybody else's experience of struggles that they've had in their life. But right now, it's this conversation, it's this movement that we need to get through so that everyone can be on the same page for once. And when we get there in this time, in our lifetime, I don't know. But I want to be on the side of right. Yes. I always try to be on the side of right. And I always try to take the time to share, if I can, and with the hopes that someone understands me and they hear me. And they know that my intention is, is love, um, but sometimes the uncomfortable conversations make people feel bad. But it's not me making you feel bad, it's the situation.
0: Yeah. And
3: um, you know that uncomfortableness, you gotta do something
0: with that. When you have those moments like you just described, where you have been racially profiled, where you have been judged, when you have been treated less than because of your race, what is your process for someone else out there who says, I don't know what to do in this moment.
3: It happens so much, right? Even now, like going to the store, the look sometimes that you get. Again, I'm very different, and I'm in a very different space. I'm a black woman walking around with an Afro. Even though I got a big smile on my face, some people just still get intimidated, okay? But I always make sure people know I see you, because I now know I am not the problem. Mm. And I remind myself of that every day. So when someone makes a remark or a gesture or something that would normally make me uncomfortable, I remind myself that I'm not the problem. There's nothing wrong with me because I'm worthy to be here. I am enough in this world. This is who God made me. And if you have an issue with it, it's not with me. It's with you. And I always make other people know that. When I sense that somebody got a problem with me, I make sure that they know, honey, I see you. And and I'm not your problem. The problem is within. But I do it with love because I do that so that I don't carry it home. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Right? And a lot of us, we are afraid to speak up for ourselves. We are afraid to be. And speaking up for ourselves, we have to learn how to do it without being angry. And I know that's hard. And you have to hear me when I say we have to be able to control ourselves enough to say, is there a problem? With the most calming way, because we have to remember it's not our problem. There's still every day self talk, and I am an avid believer in self talk, honey. Talk to yourself, encourage yourself, remind yourself every day, honey. You are amazing. You are enough, honey. the 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 way that you feel when you have joy, you don't let anybody take that away from you. Your life is important tell yourself that every day. Remind yourself of that every single day. And don't let anybody tell you any different. I don't care what they tell you. You don't have to believe it.
0: What a beautiful lesson to end with is if somebody is in this space where they are feeling torn down, beaten down, where they are feeling overwhelmed by everything they're seeing in the world, that they remind themselves I am not the problem and then take that moment to self-reflect and encourage and uplift themselves by saying positive things to themselves. Tabitha, I have to tell you, I'm so thankful for you just being alive, just for flourishing. I'm so glad you started living in your freedom. I'm so glad you live in your freedom (laughs) because (laughs) the world, we need you. So thank you for being here with me today.
3: Thank you, Karamo. I appreciate you, honey. I love you. Thank you so much.
0: Friends, what a beautiful and honest conversation. I want to thank Tabitha for coming on the show and for being so open and transparent and doing exactly what she does on every platform she's on, which is Inspire. What Tabitha said is such a beautiful way to take care of your emotional and mental state by reminding yourself, I am not the problem, that I am enough. And as Tabitha said, enough is enough. Think about that, listen. We are in a space right now where change is happening and change is always uncomfortable. Whether you are black or you are white, these are traumatic times for all of us. And we all have to make sure that as we are trying to fight for what's right and we are stepping up in the face of challenges and saying, I am going to do the work to make sure tomorrow is better. You never forget to stop and take care of your emotional and mental state because it is so, so important and vital. Friends, as always, I want to thank you for listening and growing with me. Make sure to hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Karamo to let me know how you're feeling about today's episode. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Karamo, a podcast, is an entertainment show. For advice or support on any emotional or mental challenges, please contact a licensed professional in your town. This show was produced by Karamo, Nick Panella of Workhouse Media, and assisted by Ellie Charles. All music composed by Ernie Wooden and the Big Woozy Band, and all episodes are edited by Nathan Moody. Thank you for listening and growing with us.